From FingerLakes1.com, this is episode 190 of Inside the FLX. Each week, this podcast brings you exclusive conversations with the people behind the headlines. And as we mentioned off the top of part one, this is a two-part episode. In part one, you heard from Democrat Steve Valentino, a current member of Geneva City Council who is vying to succeed Republican Mayor Ron Elcock. And part two is a conversation with the man who will be on the Republican line this fall. Mark Pitifer is an unaffiliated, non-party Geneva resident, and because of that, brings a unique perspective to the table. As we noted in part one, the other half of this episode is live now, so check it out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, another quick heads up for our listeners, you're not going to be hearing from me on this episode. That's because these conversations are being pulled from our candidate snapshot series led by FingerLakes1.com reporter Gabriel Petrazio. They are being recorded throughout the month of September and October in the WEOS studios in Geneva. So a big thank you to Greg Cotterell and everyone else at WEOS for making this possible. Without further ado, part two of Inside the FLX with Mark Pitifer. Today, and it's a pleasure to speak with you on why you're running for office. So happy to be back on my old campus in the new refurbished WEOS studios. It's awesome. And I'm glad you're here with me. And so, Mark, I'd like to plot essentially how you ended up running for mayor and under the Republican Party as an unaffiliated registered voter. You know, it's funny when, when I look at my life, my life has had many wonderful opportunities that just came my way because I have, I'm a person that has an imagination. I can say, I say like, why not me when opportunities come? And um, when I first became involved in politics at all. It was at Geneva High School. I was walking home from geometry class and this kid came up to me who had been in politics his whole life, in school politics. It was Dr. Newman's son, Jeff Newman, who was also a Hobart grad. And he said, hey, uh, Mark, will you sign my petition? And I go, what are you running for? He goes, I'm running for senior class president. And I don't know what made me think of it, because he's always been involved. It seemed like manifest destiny that he should be the class president. <laughs> but something made me think, why not me? So I said, can anybody run? And he goes, why, are you going to run? He kind of like scoffed at me. So I said, yeah, I am. He goes, well, you got to have 50 signatures by tomorrow morning. Good luck. <laughs> so I went up to the principal's office, and I said, uh, can I have a, a, a voucher? I want to have this signed for, I want to run for senior class president. And they, uh, the lady scoffed at me. She goes, well you got to have 50 signatures by tomorrow morning. So I'm walking out of the school feeling embarrassed, and all of a sudden, the junior class BOCES bus had broken down, comes <laughs> clunkering in. I get my 50 signatures. I put up one sign near the big clock in the school, vote Pitt for president, touch this sign, and I'll break your spine. Never <laughs> knew what was going to come of it. And I won the senior class presidency, which might sound like, oh, what's the big deal? But where I came from, it was a big deal, and it just opened my mind to, you can do anything. And that was my first, that's why when the Republican Party came to me and said, hey, you want to be running around for mayor? It was like, why not me? That's and I'm taking a shot at it. And they, 
And, it, and the funny thing is, when they first came to me, I met with the incumbent mayor, Ron Elcott, mm-hmm. and uh, then I met with the Republican Party, and I had every intention when I met to, went to that meeting with them to try to convince them not to pick me for a candidate because my point to them was, and I pointed at my son, Marky, I said, are you confusing me with my son, Marky? Because <laughs> Marky's a Republican. I'm a no-party candidate. So you'll have no control over me whatsoever. Are you sure that you want me? And they said, Mark, we want to assemble a city council that resembles the complexion of Geneva, and we think you're the guy to do it. And here I am running for mayor. And see, your humble beginnings as the Geneva class president really propelled you to the main stage now where you're running for mayor oral candidate position. And that's a fascinating story from your upbringing here as a, a Geneva born and raised, for sure. I think, it's a, I think I was a long shot then, back in 1978. And I think when you look at the, um, the political makeup of Geneva, what's it, three to one, Democrats to Republicans, I think I'm a long shot now. The only thing is I have very close ties with the minorities of Geneva. I worked at a playground called Charters Homes, which is now the Courtyard Apartments, for 14 summers and it's the most beloved place in my life in fact i was telling my kids the other day that when i die i want my ashes sprinkled at the playground at charter's homes playground so you see people when you worked at the playground you would see politicians come by every couple of years and say hey pitt would you uh take me around and introduce me to the constituents here and i always would think to myself well, why don't you know the constituents? You care so much about the minorities. Why don't you come out here on a hot day, bring the kids some popsicles, talk to their parents so that they know who you are. Don't just come around every two years or four years. See, in my mind, that's using people. That's not really caring about people. And that's where I'm different. The people that will come out and vote for me from all different races, creeds, and colors know I care about them. And if I win as mayor, I will care about you, and you'll feel it. And I believe it, because you're a very community-proud man. And something that you're also very prideful about is your history at Hobart College as a 1982 graduate. And I wanted to ask you this for a while, ever since I found out you were a Hobart grad, just like how your son is as well. How has Hobart helped you in life, and does your undergraduate studies assist you in running for mayor of Geneva? You know... In order for me to truly answer that question, I have to ask you a question to set the stage for the people so they understand what's happening with Mark Pitterford going to Hobart. I have transcripts here from a sixth grade kid, transferred in, he's failing every subject except for phys ed. Here's the teacher's comments on the kid. Spelling problems, reading problems, sits every day unorganized, bright could do the work, problems, immature, always in trouble, often tardy. Tell me, counselor, what's going to happen to that kid? Probably not going to pass. Is he on his way to Hobart College? Doesn't sound like it. Is he on his way to be senior class president of Geneva High School? Highly unlikely. These are my old transcripts. And when I sit down with the troubled kids that I work with in my dropout prevention program, Project Hope, before we do anything else, I share my transcripts with them. And I ask them, I go, I go, how are you doing? If you look at going through middle school and high school like climbing a big mountain, are you higher up the mountain right now than this kid? Everybody, no matter how bad they're doing, raises their hand. And then I tell them, if I can do this, you can do this. And 
my journey to Hobart College is nothing short of miraculous. I graduated 223rd out of a class of 260. I went to FLCC. I was going to be a phys ed teacher, and I made the basketball team. During May of that first year, I went to do a workout, and there was something going on at a local elementary school, so I went over to Hobart Track, and I'm doing some sprints, and this chubby fella comes up to me, and he goes, hey, let me see you do another one of those 100 meters. So I did another one. He goes, where are you going to school? And I said, I'm going to FLCC. He goes, well, did you ever think of going to Hobart College? I said, no, man. I said, I don't have the grades or the money to go to Hobart. He said, well, I'm Dave Urich. I coach lacrosse at Hobart. I'm going to get choked up. Um, I said, well, that's another thing. Coach, uh, I play basketball. He goes, son, I take basketball players, and I turn them into lacrosse players. He goes, why don't you put in an application? I put in an application. The director of admissions, Leonard Wood, says, we want you to go back to FLCC, get your grades up to a 3.7, and we'll accept you as a junior. And I'm looking at the guy thinking, I'm dying with a 2.3. I said, sir, why don't you give me a chance? If I can do it, thank you. If not, I'll go back from where I came from. A week later, they told me I was accepted as a sophomore. And a week after that, I got a letter saying, if you contribute to our school and keep your grades up, your school is paid for. So I had some big people trying to give me an opportunity, and I can tell you my journey through Hobart College was like not knowing how to swim and getting thrown into an ocean. I was in way over my head. But one of the main things that going through Hobart taught me was an interdisciplinary way of looking at all things. You, if you went into a, a psych class and you were writing a paper on psychology and you had to look at the psychological and sociological aspects of a certain thing, you would have to show the instructor that not only did you understand the psych end of it, but you had to understand the social end of it. And it makes you, just by its very nature, it makes you have to be empathetic. If you come in with a problem, you had better thought it out. You had better be able to explain yourself, show me that you're a critical thinker. And that's what I think Hobart changed my entire view of life. Not only getting in and proving to myself that I could make it through such a difficult task, but how I am as a counselor. Mm-hmm. That it, it affects everything that I do. And, it, and it's... There's no doubt in my mind that it will make me a tremendous politician. I will be able to lead from day one. It doesn't matter that, my, that uh, Steve Valentino has 17 years of political experience. I think when you look at the mayor of Geneva, what the mayor of Geneva has to do, you're not a king. You're not a president. You can't write executive orders. What do you do? You're like a school board president. You try to get the other people working together so that we can all work out for a common cause, which makes our Geneva continue on its renaissance that it's currently on. So the colleges draw a significant portion of Geneva's income. Therefore, how is it important for you as mayor to maintain open channels of communications between the colleges? And if elected, how would you do that? Well, obviously, I, I went to Hobart College. My wife went to William Smith College. My son, Marky, graduated. My sister, Charlotte. My daughter, Nina. I love Hobart College. 
In fact, here's a little morsel for you Hobart and William Smith students that are out there. If you walk up that hill one too many times, you're going to end up falling in love. And that's just what happened with me. I married, I married my wife, Lee, and we've been together for 39 years. And we've always, whatever we could do, we support the colleges. And I will do everything I can to get the colleges as much involved as possible. The, um, the perspective that you might not get being a college student that you get from living in Geneva, if you're not, if you're not a business owner, then you don't necessarily see the value of Hobart and William Smith like a business owner would. What you see is, in a city that's landlocked, is our taxes are sky high. And one of the big reasons they're sky high is because Hobart and William Smith owns all this property that cannot be taxed. So I'm hoping that the people at Hobart and William Smith, who are very smart, understand our situation and will continue to try to be as generous as they can with us, understanding the dilemma for the middle class person and the lower middle class. We, we, I consider myself middle class and we struggle. It's a, it's, a tough, it's a tough spot for Geneva that they are landlocked the way that they are. If elected as mayor, what are some of the most important issues that you would like to tackle in office? Well, one of the, one of the hot topics, um, just like last night when we were in a, a symposium, is the lakefront. And I think, I'm a very sentimental mental man, as you could tell, and there is no way. I got, I got engaged under those willow trees at Seneca Lake. There's no way that I'm going to let anything happen to that lakefront on my watch. However, we've got to do something, and it's got to be about the lake. And I was talking to some people about the possibility of moving the railroad storage area out of there and building, I think, I envision that you could build some high-end, like they have in Canandaigua, nice condominiums in that area that won't obscure the view of the lake for anybody, and it'll block the, that side that's been kind of an eyesore to Geneva. And I think that'll address that quite nicely. I think we have to, there's been some talk about hiring uh, a person to find businesses to come to Geneva, like a city planner or uh, I don't know what the name of it is. Economic developer. An economic developer. And I think that's, that would be money well spent. I think we're going in the right direction. We just got to keep it going. And for you, out of all the issues that you could possibly think of, what is your greatest goal that you wish to achieve here in Geneva? I think what I bring to the table is having coached and counseled. I will be a unifier. The people will come and they will feel like, hey, Pitt's in office. I can talk to him. If he tells me something, I can believe him. If I have a problem, I can go to him. If there's a problem, like they had a problem with the, the police officer, if I am involved in that, they will know, hey, Pitt's involved in that. He's dealing with it. If there was the slightest sniff of racism, Pitt wouldn't let that slide. My reputation speaks for itself, and they, they trust me in that regard. The, um, being a coach has prepared me for this. When I started coaching track at Geneva High School back in uh, 2000, they had some guy from out of town that took over the program, and Geneva High Track looked like it was a... Caucasian cross-country team. That's not Geneva. 
My track team has 100 kids on it. It has kids from all different, real smart kids, kids that are struggling, all different races, all different creeds, and we're one of the best track programs around. Why? Because we get the best out of everybody. What makes Geneva a wonderful place is, yes, it is uniquely urban. Our demographics are wonderful. Our, our cultures, but if we can get that all together, I don't think there's anything we can't accomplish. And I think that's more than anything else. I'm a unifier. That's what I bring to the table. I'd like to switch gears for a bit. And you mentioned him earlier, your opposition in this election cycle. You and Valentino are dear friends. And I was wondering if you can elaborate about your relationship and your friendship in relation to this competition of the election cycle. He's, uh, he's been a friend of mine. He went to DeSales High School and I went to Geneva High. Um, our, our fathers were very good friends. His grandmother and my father were, were tremendously good friends. And I can remember seeing him from when I was a little boy. We'd go over to his grandma's house and have Italian food. And we've always just been very good friends. Uh, and one of the things that is appealing to me about this particular election during these particular times is, can somebody like me, that doesn't represent a party, that will not take part in the normal um, poor manners and slandering people to try to win an election, I'm not going to do that with Steve Valentino. There's a clear difference between me and Steve Valentino. We're both Italian kids that were brought up in Geneva. We have similar morals and values, how we were raised. But what he brings to the table is not what I bring to the table. I'm a different type of guy than him. I've worked with people my whole life as far as a coach and a counselor and making people, helping people to get along. That's my strength right out of the gate on day one. I can take over as mayor, and I can lead this city. And that's, and I'm not saying that he can't. I'm just saying I think I have different strengths than he does. That's what differentiates us. And I think something that's interesting to explore is that at most, at the end of this election cycle, you'll have one incumbent, if elected, to the office across all of the seats in Geneva. At the worst, you'll have no incumbent candidates, so you'll have all new elected officials. So how would you handle that dynamic? You know, it's interesting that you brought that up. Mark and I were talking about that earlier. I feel, um, okay, the Republican Party's come to me. They're endorsing me. And I'm supposed to be this leader of their, their slate. However, in my heart, like, I have, I have a connection with Stevie Valentino. And I have more of a connection with him than anybody on the slate. So that's, that's strange dynamics to begin with. So what I'm envisioning is with this new slate, whoever comes in, that will be my team. That will be my team. And whoever comes in, I think it's going to be fantastic. I have no, it's such a, it's such a liberating thing where I don't have any party controlling me. I don't have any big endorsers that have paid me that are in my pocket. And you take a Caucasian guy like me that worked at Charters Homes for 14 summers. I want you to just think for a moment. Nobody's going to intimidate me either. So you better come in. You better have a clear mind. You better be thinking about what you want to say and what's best for the city. And I will embrace you no matter who you are. And you already spoke a bit about your relationship with Valentino and why you're different from him. 
but in our closing moments, why are you the best candidate most suitable for the city of Geneva? I'm the best candidate for the city of Geneva because I've, I've lived here almost all of my life. I just think that I'm the guy. That I don't think that there's, why reinvent the wheel? I'm a leader, I'm a coach, I get along with all people. I have the respect and love of all the people in Geneva. There's no place that I can't go in the whole city where it's, I'm, not, I'm not being egotistic about it. I'm loved and I love. And in our final moments, do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners why you should be their mayor? I just want you to realize that when I become your mayor, just like when I become my Project Hope Kids counselor, I will make the same promise to you that I will be accessible. You, you could come to me. You'll be able to call me. You'll be able to stop me in Wegmans. You'll be able to meet me on the street. I won't change one bit. I'm not going to, at the end of the day, go off to the country club and play golf with the elite people. You'll probably see me more often with, with um, just middle-class people and, low, and probably more often than not, lower middle-class kids that are struggling trying to help them. My job as a counselor will now just be transferred to the mayor's spot table. It's, it's something I was born into. It's, it's, it's got to do with my, my faith in God. I have a strong faith in God. I've, I walk the path of Jesus. And what that means is, maybe if you're an atheist out there, you're worried about that, but you shouldn't be because that my religion is my life. I try to treat every single person that I meet the same way that I would want to be treated. So whether I'm talking to an atheist or a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew or a Mormon, that gives you no extra clout with me. It's your soul that matters to me. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't take drugs. You can go up to me anytime at cruiser night. You can go out at Parker's, Bella's, wherever you see me, and you'll see that I'm drinking water or cranberry juice. You've got somebody that's going to donate their life to you for the next four years, more than anybody ever has in the past. And you know that whenever you reach out to Coach Pitt, you're going to get the same guy. This guy's life is together. And it's together because I walk the higher path and I make no exceptions to that. Even to the um, chagrin of my son who wants me to fight harder against the other side, I'm not going to do it. I'm a man of principle. I'm going to show, I'm going to show this city, this county, this state, maybe even this country that you can win an election by being good and fair and accessible. And that's what I'm bringing you, Geneva. Welcome your, welcome your son to do this one last thing for you. Who knows? You know me. Why not me? Mark. Thank you so much for your time today, and a special thanks to WEOS and WHWS station manager Greg Cotterell for sharing the Geneva Candidate Snapshot Series with FingerLakes1.com. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. It was very nice meeting with you. Thanks for listening to part two of this two-part episode of Inside the FLX. Be sure to listen to part one, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you may consume your podcasts. Uh, if you found this episode of Inside the FLX interesting, you can find more of them by visiting InsideTheFLX.com. If you enjoy the program, we do ask that you leave us a review on iTunes or the Apple Podcast Store. Uh, new listeners, it helps them find the show. Uh, until next time, stay informed and keep listening to Inside the FLX. <laughs> <laughs>